Marvel Lights. You're listening to Marvel's pull list for new Marvel Comics on sale April 13th, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I'm Jasmine Estrada. And I am Stephanie Williams. Yay, Yay. Stephanie! Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. happy to be here. Talk about some comics. Uh, yeah, Stephanie, you're going to help co-host the show with us today. Uh, it's very exciting, uh, which meant you got to read a whole bunch of free comics. Always a plus, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, how can you complain about that? Um, and it's, it's the dream, honestly. Yeah. For our uh, listeners, please remind them how they may know you, aside from previously being on the show. Um, some of you all might know me from my Twitter shenanigans. Uh, a lot of X-Men content uh, my way. Uh, so that is at uh, Steph underscore I underscore Will on Twitter. And you also might know me from some of my comic writing from the Distinguished Competition. Um, and also Marvel Voices Legacy. You've been killing it. Well, I appreciate that. See, co-host and you get a nice few kind words. So I appreciate that. And it ends there. No more kind words nope. for anyone uh, because we've got business to get into because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics where we run through all the brand new comics out this week, including our picks. Each of us will deliver one pick, the one that we feel best about, the one we're most excited about, the one we loved the most personally. Uh, but there's lots to love about all books. Uh, we will give out some awards. Many of you who listen frequently know we have a whole award section. We'll get into that in a bit. We also have uh, new stuff hitting Marvel Unlimited, new collections on sale, and a wonderful reading club. Jasmine, who is our reading club guest this week? We are talking to Samir Ahmed. She is the writer of the current Ms. Marvel uh, miniseries that's happening. That's Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit. And we're talking about Ms. Marvel The Ratio, which is a small arc, a four-issue arc that happens during G. Willow Wilson's run towards the end. And in it, we learn how Ms. Marvel's powers work. And in this conversation, we'll talk about how that ties into Samir's current run and story. Very exciting stuff going to be a hoot and a holler stephanie you ready to get into this sure am all right let's kick things off with our picks of the week jasmine why don't you go first sounds good i will thank you my first pick of the week is electra number 100 and there's a couple of stories in here um the first story is written by anna senti with art by sid koshin colors by edgar delgado and letters by vcs clayton cowles right off the bat this book has about seven variant covers And all of them are gorgeous. Like I immediately pulled them all out to the side. I was like, all right, I'm gonna pick that one. I'm gonna pick this one up. I'm gonna pick that one up all at the comic shop, like for sure. We have covers by Jen Bartel, DK Ruan, David Lopez, as well as the main cover by Dan Panosian. And so if you read issue number three of Electra Black, White, and Blood, there's a short story in there by Anna Senti where we meet a young Electra and Typhoid Mary in the past. Um, They're both rooming together in this psych ward And in that issue, we get to see Electra bust out. Mary stays back, but we kind of get a little bit more of her characterization in there um, and their relationship. This issue is like a direct sequel to that. It starts off with them both fighting. It's now in the present time. Electra has a sick new outfit. She's not in her Daredevil gear. She's in a similar to her red uh, Electra gear, but just more black with a bunch of like red accents on it, which is really cool. Also, massive hoop earrings, which respect. Because fighting in a fight with massive hoop earrings is probably the worst decision you can make, but not if you're Electra. 
So like we get to see how that story ties into this. We get to see more about the relationship. We learn more about Typhoid Mary and her DID and how that works and how her powers work around that, which I think is very fascinating. Like it's a fight, but you get to learn a lot about this character and we get to learn a lot about her relationship with Wilson Fisk. So if you've been following the stuff that's been going on over in Devil's Reign, and you see how that story ends with the couple of Wilson Fisk and Typhoid Mary, you realize that there's a little bit more to it. There's more nuance to it than we think. Like it's not necessarily as happy-go-lucky as it seems like in that comic. Like there's there's more to it. Like Mary knows what she's doing. But on top of that, we get a couple of other stories. We get a short story written by Declan Shalvey uh, with art by Stefano Raphael, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and again, lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. And this one is very much a love story, which I gush over Matt Murdock and Electra. Like, they're adorable. It's pretty much them going on a date and like dancing, but it's very Daredevil and Electra. The art is gorgeous. Declan knows how to write like the hell out of both these characters and make it just beautiful. This small story really sings. We get a couple different short stories that are very like comic strippy. The first one is by Chris Giarusso, and it's hilarious because it's all about the Daredevils. So. Have y'all ever read many Marvels? I have, not in a long time though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Christy Russo did the series of mini Marvels. You can get the collections. You can read them on Marvel Unlimited. They're adorable. What's that's what this is, and it's great because in it, Electra gets inducted to the Daredevils, which is a group of other heroes who have also taken on the mantle of Daredevil, including T'Challa, Spider-Man, and Iron Fist, which I think is hilarious. And then we get a, we get another short story. That's like in the style of like the Spidey Electric Company kind of stories, um, which is adorable because it ends with a Moon Knight Easter egg, which made me laugh. Love that. And then finally, we get two more short stories as well as an entire gallery of all the previous covers in the Electra run. So the last Electra run that had been in print was a couple of years ago. And I didn't realize that they ended on 99. Like this is number 100. Like that could have gone for one more issue and been like, let's just round it up. And they're like, no, we're going to wait a little bit. We're going to let this daredevil thing really take off and then we'll hit them with a hundred. And I respect that. It's the one character. I will go. So my pick of the week is what if Miles Morales number two? I chose this book because for one, I'm just a huge fan of the what if series. Um, so I'm always interested to see, hey, how are we going to do this for this particular character? So this book was written by John Ridley, artist Fareed Karami. Uh, color artist is Chris Sotomayor. So again, with this issue, John just does a really great job of reimagining this story for Miles and then still fitting all the characters that we're familiar with when it comes to Miles Morales. I won't give anything away, but Uncle Aaron is there, his dad is there, and they're still clashing. Also, there's the kind of social commentary that's in this as well, because there are children going missing in Atlanta. And of course, folks feel like if these children were not Black, that the police would probably be doing a better job about finding them. And what happens? Miles ends up being one of those kids so you can probably assume what has happened after that if you are a fan of wolverine and then we get a years down the way uh mouse still looks young so very much i mean <laughs> black don't crack and in a sense it doesn't because <laughs> of the because of the healing factor um so that's there uh the artwork is actually really dynamic um as well as the color work and it's just really cool to see miles i don't know like in this light using wolverine's powers and if you're wondering if the x-men show up you'll have to read it to find out but this was just a really fun issue because again like to tell this story um for miles and still make it unique to him but very much still 
a Wolverine story um, I thought was just some really great and fun writing and why the what if series are just so cool because you can kind of see these characters in a different way than you have it before john ridley is obviously a friggin just amazing writer academy award winner doing incredible work on black panther but i read this and i was like oh man it like nudged something in my brain and i remembered and looked online there were the child murders in atlanta uh from Mm -hmm. 78 79 to 81 a uh, horrific situation where like he ties this into you know reflections of reality and and the real horrors of it all the reactions of it all and bringing in miles and it's just it's wonderful if you don't know that story there's an hbo documentary you can read a whole bunch of things about it but if you don't know the story it still should resonate and it's yeah i'm, I'm glad you picked this one it was it's a hell of an issue. Stephanie, do you have a favorite what if story? I do actually. I think it's when Steve becomes president. Ah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> like, I don't know, like it just makes sense. Uh, but it's it's a fun one. I'll forgive you because we all know that the, the actual answer, the correct answer is what if Dazzler became Galactus's herald? That is, <laughs> that oh, is the best well, one. Yeah. All right, for our third pick of the week, I'm rounding us off with X-Men 92, House of 92, aka House of XCII, number one. This one is wild. I'm so excited about this, to talk about this, because I was like, huh, this is fascinating. We're doing this book, which is, so X-Men 92 uh, is, we've done some comic books called X-Men 92, basically taking the idea of the X-Men 90s animated series from 1992 and on and expanding it into the comics. So the thought here is that continuity, that style, that vibe of the characters, you've got characters that in their animated series looks, in their costumes, with their personalities, that whole vibe. Like if you close your eyes, you should hear that Wolverine, that Cyclops, that Jean Grey, that friggin' Gambit, that Rogue, all of it should should really come to mind as you're reading this. And then it says, okay, what if this, this version of the X-Men went through the House of X storyline? So if you don't know what House of X is, real quick, it's just this story that posits uh, a possible point for mutant kind to push forward, go past uh, the limits of mortality to find themselves in their own island nation. There's stuff with various characters it sort of brings mutant kind closer into one place and almost paradise but then they still have to deal with humankind and many many perils we talk about that at length over the last two and a half years or so since house of x and powers of 10 have come so to tell this story this riff on it is so fun it is brought to us by writer steve fox art by salva espin colors by israel silva and letters by vcs joe sabino um first off the design in here, which is by Jay Bowen, is tremendous. Mm-hmm. It is straight up 90s Trapper Keeper, you know. Fox Kids. You know, like Fox Fox Kids. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's that's perfect. Fox Kids commercials, the just the colors, the shapes uh, of, of all the interstitial pages. It is wonderful. And then we open in on the storylines that are like these reflections of what happened in those early stories of mutant kind in the 
House of X era. They're going up, they're fighting, you know, in space on this master mold station. Uh, characters are dying. There's the rebirth of characters. Uh, you know, they don't have the same cast right. to work with, which is really fun. Um, the five, this circuit of mutants in current X-Men comics, doesn't exist in the continuity of X-Men 92. So they use versions of these characters that will work. And it's wild. It is bonkers. I don't want to give too much away because for me, reading this was a beautiful surprise. And it's full of twists and turns. There is one major twist in here that was a hoot. And again, when you think of the characters and their voices and their iconic lines, you can hear it. Like, yes, when you said that, I was like, yes, I I know exactly what voices I'm hearing. Like there's certain parts where like, there's just, like one liners from like Wolverine. And you're like, that is very much that same voice actor. Like I can hear it and like the attitude and like the grunts and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really special. This is something a whole lot of fun. I honestly wasn't expecting to pick this um, as my pick of the week, but at the end I was like, yeah, I really had a blast with this issue. So I hope everybody else does too. Jasmine, bring us in. It is time for awards talk. Yes. Okay. So last week we were giving out the, I'm not planning on becoming a jellyfish Slurpee today award. And that was in Captain Marvel annual number one. And we had a tie and we were trying to figure out exactly, you know, maybe someone had a second above the other one. Nope. They had the exact same timestamp. It was so great. It came in like as we were recording something else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy moly, we've never seen this before. We've had like 10 minutes between others, but this was this was tremendous. Like people found it at the exact moment. They're like, I got to tweet it. And it's I love it. Um, but we have two winners. We have Tommy Grooms. Um, that's at T Grooms Draws and Mr. Titanium at Mr. Titanium 18. Um, you guys both tied and found the exact panel that it came from. Good old Carol Danvers. Yeah, well done. I'll reach out to y'all soon. But Mr. Titanium also had a question saying, hey, Ryan and Jasmine, which hashtag works for the award name scavenger hunt? Is it Marvel pull list or Marvel's pull list? I've seen both. I want to be sure we're submitting to the proper tag. Thank you for that. Mr. Titanium, post to the one with the S in there, please, because that's the name of the show. It's Marvel's Pull List. If you, dear listener, find this quote, screen cap it, tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's Pull List or email us at pulllist at marvel.com. If you're the first, give or take, you'll get something fun. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up separately. It'll be super duper terrific. I also want to give a quick shout out to a couple of the other folks who also tweeted to us uh, and let us know that they found it. Fortunately, they weren't the first, but still wanted to give them a quick shout out. We have Tommy Grooms, Mr. Titanium, Damon, Karis. I want to give a quick shout out to Carly and Alex because they also helped their mom, Mountain Meg, find this week's award name. They are amazing. We got a couple pictures sent in and so adorable. Um, they wanted to also quickly shout out their local comic shop, Hero Headquarters in Westminster, Colorado. You guys are amazing. Please keep sending these pictures. Now, we also had an email this week from Avi, aka Space Lovey, who emailed us in response to a previous quote, the Why Should I Hide What I Am award. Obviously, Avi, you're a little bit late, but I wanted to read part of it um, because 
Um, this was really cool. Uh, Avi says that I just started following this podcast and I'm really enjoying it. In fact, it's the very reason I bought Captain Marvel in the first place. I've never followed her comics before, but I'm so glad that you brought this to my attention because Kelly Thompson is my favorite author and has been for a while. I wasn't aware that she was doing this run. From the get-go, I figured that the line would be from this run. Its characters are so strong and really set a great example of confidence for so many girls everywhere. Still, the way they use the quote gets me. Anyways, thank you so much for this podcast and the amazing recommendations. Sincerely, Avi. Avi, that is one of my favorite things, to get a response to the show saying, I bought this book because of you means so that. much to us. It's it's and really not just special. because we want you to buy the comics for Marvel, but also because like I'm glad that you found a comic that you know speaks to you. We want everybody to find their comic. You find your comic, and then that's like your gateway into other comics. That's the great thing about Marvel Unlimited too, is because if you find yourself falling in love with this character, then hopefully they either have previous runs you can go back, enjoy that, and then find even more writers and characters and artists that you love and check out their stuff. So it just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to hear this week's award? Um, I am. I All right, am. guys. It is the You Can't Hypnotize a Snake Award. Do you think that's true? I've tried. Yeah? Well, not like a literal snake, like a couple of friends, former friends. It didn't work out. <laughs> I was going to say, I, hope, I was hoping we'd be former friends. Yeah. All right. So we will be giving out the... You can't hypnotize a snake award for this week's batch of comics. Are you guys ready? I am. All right. Let's get into our new comics this week, starting with Black Panther number five. Um, we mentioned John Ridley already. He is writing this run here. And boy, oh boy, is he putting T'Challa through the ringer. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I mean, look, he's setting T'Challa up for like making some somewhat dubious decisions but all for the greater good but sometimes you got to deal with the repercussions to those things thankfully he's got a brilliant sister named shuri here so there's got some fun action in here i will give my you can't hypnotize a snake award to an interaction shuri has with a prison guard I'll say there's like a, it's a two part sequence and one part happens earlier and she has a great bit of dialogue. And then like the payoff to that bit is wonderful. This entire cast of characters is at each other's throats. It's like literally they're just going at it. Like I'm waiting for this thing to explode and I can't wait. It'd be so messy. <laughs> All right. So the next book we have is Captain Carter number two written by Jamie McKelvey um, and if that that name should ring bells because it means that you're in for a good time. And then this issue, Captain Carter and Agent Braddock are doing their thing. Uh, the Prime Minister has them out doing stuff. And actually, the Prime Minister is my award winner for You Cannot Hypnotize Snake because government officials doing things they have no business doing. Um, this one also has a lot of great action uh, shots, actually. Actually, I think like maybe three or four pages in, you get to see uh, Captain Carter really show off um, that athleticism and why she's really good at this role. And also you get a Captain Carter who is learning that, hey, things are so different since the last time you've been here and you got to catch up quick because uh, the people need you to. So um, this Again, issue number two, um, we're really starting to pick up with the story and see where things go with Captain Carter. And 
is she gonna get annoyed eventually by everyone i feel like it's on it's on its way mm-hmm. it's overdue so like in in that same issue it's brought up that she has to catch up on 80 years of history and i'm like dang steve didn't have 80 years he only had like like maybe 50 years tops she just gotta watch all those like i love the 80s i love the 90s i love the the knots and then she'll be caught up just give her a vh1 marathon it'll be great vh1 account yeah Next up, we have Eternals number 11. And okay, this is where I was going to pull the original award name. And that award would have been the dilettante pontificating in a salon and release nothing but empty air award, which everybody here was like, no, that's too long. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, it's a quote by <laughs> Thanos. And it's great. Continues to be his most evil and most ruthless and less like he does not care about anybody else except himself, which is great. Good for him. Self-care. Um, but I do want to bring up the fact that both Cersei and Namor continue their story from the last issue. So if you've been following along, things continue to get a little bit more steamy in this one. This time we get a hot tub shot. So I want to give my You Can't Hypnotize a Snake award to one character in this book that makes their surprise appearance inside Avengers Mountain Mountain named Skullathar the Destructorite. He's, He's wonderful. It's such a like everything about this book is amazing. I love it. All right. So next up, we have Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man 37. Um, So multiverse stuff, shenanigans is still happening for Miles. Miles and Shift, uh, they're stuck in um, like this. I'm going to call it the multiverse um, waiting room. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to see where they're going to, where they'll end up. And they're fighting Ultimatum and he is just being real jerk about things um and after he gives his you know just real villainous soliloquy and shows miles some stuff and unfortunately miles not having a good day in one of his alternate realities miles and shift end up somewhere by the end it's just like wow miles i just i wish you could just go to school i just wish you could be at school maybe hang around with the rest of the champions but you're here dealing with multiverse stuff so um that issue check it out it's fun also shift just kind of fun too looks a little gross but it's okay if you like venom then you should like shift i love that shift to me feels like a, a video game character where every issue he gets like he's like unlocked a new combo or attack immediately miles was like whoa how'd you do that and i'm just like he's got another upgrade like he just keeps going one of the other things I love about Shift and the storytelling, especially by uh, artist Chris Allen in here and by Saladin, is the way that there's communication done between Miles and Shift. And Shift only speaks in one word, but the body language, the way it's done, and you get all you need from limited, like actual verbal communications. But the, the storytelling itself, the art itself, and Miles' responses handle that really well without it ever feeling like they're like shoehorning something in. It's a difficult thing to do, and I think they do it very well. I totally agree. So um, you cannot hypnotize a snake award, and this is going to go to Ultimatum, of course. It's ruthless. That guy. He's such a jerk. Just the worst. Yeah. I mean, for just, and he wears goggles. Like you can't, you can't both wear goggles and be a jerk at the same time. But I think that's, it's, it's a thing. All right. Let me take y'all to a galaxy far, far away with two Star Wars titles this week. We have Star Wars number 22. Uh, I like that in the opening crawl of this issue, 
the first line after the title is Crimson Dawn is everywhere. And I think that really is sold in this issue because we, we get this whole story of, you know, where Crimson Dawn is that's permeating all the Star Wars titles right now. And I want to give my You Can't Hypnotize a Snake Award to the the story that it brings together Kira from the Crimson Dawn and General Leia Organa. Like the two of them having their conversation throughout this issue, obviously like want to kill each other, but also like have to work together for many, many reasons. And there's like threats, both veiled and very uh, kind of implicit. It's real cool. I I dug that a whole lot. They're both amazing. Yeah. I mean, Leia has a ton of history and what they've been doing with Kira over this, this Crimson Dawn stuff has been a lot of fun. Um, All right, we've also got Star Wars Darth Vader, number 22. I feel like I've given our award to him previously, but I am giving my You Can't Hypnotize a Snake Award to artist Raphael Ianco because there's just something about Raphael's work in creature stuff. We've seen it before. There are some really giant, huge-scale monsters and creatures that we've seen in previous issues of Darth Vader. Uh, And then here you've got this one shot of this giant monster that Vader previously killed in the book with its tongue lolling out over the side and like birds flying around. And then there's like other creatures that should be eating this one creature. And then there's more creatures. It's just so bananas and wild and beautifully, beautifully illustrated throughout. Creature Palooza. (laughs) Um, Speaking of Creature Palooza, the next book is Venom number seven. And I want to give my, you can't hypnotize a snake award to Ramby because In the last issue, he set up the beginning of this story. And I feel like in these two issues, uh, it it takes place at a bar with a biker gang where Jake is kind of staying there for a little bit um, while he tries to locate his dad and try to figure everything out as he tries to escape from the facility that wanted to capture him um, in the the previous arc. But the thing I love about this story um, in these past two issues in this book is that it very much feels like a story about a town and then Venom. This story could happen without Venom even being in there, but the fact that Venom is in there just complicates it even more and makes it even more messier. But like, I love that like Rambi has been able to make me care about these like random bikers who I've only known for one issue. And like the reveals in this book, so much happens here where I was like feeling feelings that I wasn't expecting to feel about a biker gang. So hats off to Rambi. Well done. And then the last book to kind of round out this week is X-Men number 10. Um, so you cannot hypnotize a snake of war goes to a character that pops up in this book that I will not oh, say. I want to talk about this character so much. <laughs> I know, same. Um, I do as well. Um, but if you are a fan of Wolverine, then you might be able to kind of guess who this could possibly be. But um, this was just a really fun issue because, I mean, how can you not be an X-Men fan and not like teamwork? Um, this has definitely happened here. Rogue has um, a few great moments in this and we get a surprise visit from two characters um, show up in this book. Also, Wolverine has some really great moments. Um, read a lot of 
action shots in this, some espionage, but also some very in your face because she's got to handle it. So uh, X-Men number 10, pick that up. It's a really rapidly paced issue, but um, by the time you get to the end, you're catching your breath and then you got to catch it again because someone shows up that you don't expect. Also, there is a fastball special in this issue. Yes. All right, let's head on over to Marvel Unlimited, talk about some Infinity Comics hitting the service this week. Again, those Infinity Comics are vertical scrolling comics you can read exclusively on Marvel Unlimited. We've got X-Men Unlimited number 30, Spider-Verse Unlimited number 3, Avengers Forever number 4, White Fox issue number 2, and Marvel Meow number 4. And then over on uh, Marvel Unlimited, we also have a bunch of comics coming to the app, including Black Widow 13, which is easily one of my favorite issues of that run. Um, We have the first of Electra Black, White, and Blood. Um, Inferno 4, we have the Darkhold Omega number one, which is the final chapter of that Darkhold series. And then we have not one, not two, but the entirety of 10 Lives of Wolverine and X Deaths of Wolverine are hitting the app um they're actually already on there they dropped on monday it was a surprise drop um so if you haven't had a chance to read those definitely read them even even for a reread they're great stephanie there's a whole freaking load of collections out this week any of that strike you as as really cool releases that you want people to check out absolutely so definitely check out uh moon knight the omnibus volume one because why would you not definitely check that out um also marvel voices uh identity is out. Uh, we also have Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hitman, oh. the Omnibus. I feel like that's just speak for itself. Mm-hmm. But if you are a Fantastic Four fan, definitely pick that up. And then last for me is going to be Uncanny X-Men Masterworks Volume 14 because I'm just any Uncanny X-Men stuff, whatever it is, I'm I'm looking for it. So definitely pick that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback on that because Wolverine Weapon X the Gallery Edition is also dropping and that's just going to be full of so many goodies i can already tell but also i wanted to highlight thor volume five of the complete Mm -hmm. collection by jason aaron is finally dropping which excites me because i've slowly been filling in the gaps in that run and so good yeah so damn good you know what else is so damn good our conversation with samira ahmed who is wonderful. She's an author of many YA prose novels. Uh, She is currently writing Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit for us. Uh, So we wanted to have her on to the show to talk about what else? Ms. Marvel. We are talking about Ms. Marvel, The Ratio, which is issues number 32 through 35 of G. Willow Wilson's run um, that started in 2015. It's one of the last arcs in G. Willow Wilson's run, and it's a special one. It's the arc where we kind of learned the science behind how Ms. Marvel's powers work. So exciting stuff. Yeah. Stephanie, will you stick around and do the conversation with us? I sure will. All right, y'all. It is time to embiggen and talk about Ms. Marvel with our reading club guest this week. Samira Ahmed. Hello, Samira. Hi, Ryan. Hi, everyone. So excited to be here. Hey, Samira. Hi, Samira. Hi. So you've been writing Ms. Marvel for a little while now, so I'm excited to talk about your run, and we're going to talk about Ms. Marvel, The Ratio, an arc of Ms. Marvel from 2018, um, which I was so glad to reread. I hadn't read it since it came out, um, so it's so fun to get into it. 
But Samira, before we get into anything, I would love to know your history with Marvel Comics and characters. Were you a reader of comics? Did you grow up with them? Did you experience them later on in life? What's what's your story? Well, I was a kid in like the 70s and 80s. I'm a Gen Xer. So the comics that I read as a kid were really Archie comics. Um, and then my that was kind of my comic gateway. And then, you know, my first superhero that I loved was Wonder Woman. I know she's not Marvel, but she was my entry point. I'm sorry. Never heard of her. Um, yeah, who, who is? I don't know her. <laughs> but that is why, um, you know, I think I fell away from comics a little bit because it was Archie was sort of really my only one that I was kind of doing a little bit. Um, and you could get those at the drugstore. They were these small size comics and you'd get them for like a dime, I think. I sound like I'm from the 1950s. Well, kids. <laughs> no, they were like the digest. Digest yeah, comics, exactly. Right? Um, yes, exactly. So, um, but then came Willow Wilson. When I saw the first issue, I mean, Miss Marvel number one, uh, to me, that is just such an incredibly iconic cover. Uh, I was like, what is happening right now in my adult life? The most amazing thing that I wish would have been around when I was a kid, but I'm so lucky is around now. And so that's when um, I guess I came back to comics. I think in between, I you know, I read some, like I, I loved Spidey, like the, you know, I think the early Spideys are sort of a little bit like early Miss Marvels kind of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, those two characters have some connections. So I think it was natural that I gravitated towards Miss Marvel, but also obviously because, you know, here's a superhero that looked like me a little bit. And Willow's amazing, just shout out. And um, Willow and Sana Amana, the the co-creators of Miss Marvel just, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like every time I talk about it, I'm just like, just going on and on about how much I appreciate these two, but it's totally genuine because they created something so amazing and brilliant. And I just can't talk about the awesomeness of them enough. I adore them both and the work that they've done. So agreed. I wanted to ask, why did you pick this particular arc of Ms. Marvel? Because um, it's it's a four-issue story in the back end of G. Willow Wilson's run. This particular arc, the ratio, spoke to something that I really love, which is the source of Miss Marvel's power. There's this physics in it, which I also love. Though I am just going to be clear, I am not a scientist or physicist at all. I was an English major. Um, I took physics for poets. But I'm always kind of fascinated by that. Also, though, there's... In this art, there's kind of like an existential crisis happening. There's two existential crises, okay? Bruno's sort of having one, and Kamala's sort of having one. And there's a vortex, there's a singularity, there is like a two-bit criminal bad guy who wants, who has great ambitions um, to be more than he is and wants to leave New York City because he wants to take over Jersey because he's like, it's easier. New York City is completely like um, saturated with bad guys right now. Um, which I think also speaks to the humor that that Willow used. I don't know. To me, this mini art just had so many of the things that I love in it. And it also has something that I think is so special about Kamala, which is she's not the lone hero, right? Her friends and family are so important to her. And throughout, you know, Willow series, Saladin's, and what I tried to incorporate is to show the ways in which her friends are are there for her and the ways in which her friends are heroic too. And you know, in this case, you know, part of that heroism comes from Bruno's curiosity 
trying to science his way to understanding something. And I just love the presence of that support group. What I love so much about Kamala and how Willow and, and Sana created her is that, you know, she's like a girl like all the other girls, but who happens to have this really extraordinary job. But she's also a teenager and she makes mistakes sometimes. And she sometimes steps out of line. And then she has friends who will call her out on it. I mean, I just love it so much. I was a high school teacher. So to me, seeing those high school friendships just felt so true and, and authentic. You know, Willow's whole um, good is, isn't a thing you are. It's a thing that you do. That comes to the surface in this as Kamala's kind of having this existential crisis a little bit. And I also tried, that was kind of inspiring to me um, as I wrote my, you know, mini series run of Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit. So a lot of those themes are reflected in this arc. Tamara, I have to say that it shows um, in those first four issues of your run of, um, or your arc of Miss um, Marvel, because you can tell, I don't know, it's just a really cool thing. I love when creators take something that works and worked really well, and then uh, you build upon it. So not to like jump ahead, but... I really want you to get into just the bits and pieces that you took from the ratio to include in uh, your run in Ms. Marvel, because I just thought it was really cool how you were like, okay, so yeah, we know how her powers work. So what are some of the repercussions that come from that or consequences? Because we see that there's a little bit of that because it's not, it's never that easy. It's never just, oh yeah, we figured it out. Well, yeah, but um, if she's borrowing pieces of herself from the future and essentially her molecules are time traveling, that's going to be a little messy, especially in the Marvel Universe. Uh, yeah, Stephanie, thank you so much for asking that question. I'm so glad you saw those little pieces in there because I love having some of those callbacks because it's there both for the readers who've been with, you know, Miss Marvel all along. Plus, it's, you know, building up for readers who are coming into uh, Miss Marvel's world um, with this with this miniseries. So, um, yeah, so Kamala, what, what Bruno figures out in, in the ratio, he's just curious, like, how exactly do your powers work? How come your clothes grow with you as opposed to, like, the Hulk situation? And I was like, that is such a good question, because probably some readers were having some of those questions, too. And um, I love that he's exploring it with the help of this sort of magical orb that is a hologram of Professor Xavier. That he got um, from like so... a bargain bin at a Goodwill. Uh, yeah, a bargain the, the occult bin. Yeah, the, the occult Goodwill. bin. That's right. That's, I was like, but that's where it should be. <laughs> agree, hundred percent. Because you're like, what? What is this guy doing? So, um, I really loved uh, picking up on the science that Bruno was doing with the Beastron, is it the Beastron 3000? <laughs> and he's like, okay, Kamala, go in this like water tank and let's see what happens to your mass because conservation of mass, an actual physics thing, which is if Kamala is borrowing from her future selves, my question was, wait, what's happening to those future selves? Now it's just subatomically, so it's happening pretty rapidly. And um, as we can see, you know, Bruno has this moment where he sees her various possible futures, right? Because there can always be many, many paths that we, we can take into our futures. So I wanted to push that a little further because like you said, it's not always so easy. And if you are borrowing matter, that could potentially lead to a catastrophic situation, which is what I wanted to speak to in my art because it's not so much that she's borrowing from her future selves, it's that she's borrowing from the other Miss Marvels because 
of this vortex, this wormhole that was created. And you'll see there's also a wormhole in this. And in that case, as she's borrowing, something happens because it, the barrier between worlds in the multiverse is sort of broken. And we have her matter taken rather than from her future self from another Miss Marvel, Marvel G, who is from Kareen's world, which is this, you know, this other dimension in, in the Beyond the Limit arc. I also am just a giant multiverse fan, so I wanted to incorporate that also because the multiverse is endless possibilities. I love that you brought up the multiverse because I think that that's one of the, the things that I love the most about this arc is it explores not only the multiverse, but you were talking about like the future selves and like how like one future self isn't the only future self. Like it very much ties in how time and like the multiverse can work together. Like, um, but I wanted to ask real quick before we start getting into issue number one, which we already started touching on, but you, I, I think I, I, I messaged your editor um, about the name Marvel G. Um, so in Korean's world in this other dimension, um, we see Marvel G who is also kind of a deified like South Asian looking outfit. She's wearing this kind of linga. And I really kind of wanted to lean into that cultural element too. And G is just kind of an honorific. Um, you know, some people, if you study history you, and you study the history of India, you might see Gandhi referred to as Gandhi G. It's like sort of an intra-community term for someone who is like, you know, beloved and revered. Um, and it's this honorific given to her, to Kareen's dimensions, Miss Marvel, Marvel G. When you were coming in to do Beyond the Limit, did you have this story already in mind? Were you like, did you get the the call be like, hey, you want to write some Ms. Marvel? Give us some pitches. Did you go through, you know, all the Ms. Marvel stories and be like, here's something I want to touch on and really expand upon and go in my own direction with? What was it for you to, to bring your story to life? So I had two um, potential ideas and um, I'm not going to say what the other one is because there might be a place where that comes into play later on in the future it'll be a surprise it's mr um, marvel but, isn't it <laughs> it is how did you know jasmine i knew it i knew it's it mr marvel that's what we need that's what we've been <laughs> that's exactly what we for. need yes we need a male superhero yes um um so i did when i got a call from lauren um Bissom, uh, my wonderful editor um i was i did sort of go back into um, Willow's run and Saladin's run. And of course, I did this thing where I completely read them out of order because why would I read them back in order again? Like I already read them in order. So then I was just like literally on the Marvel website going, let me see this one and this one. And then um, the ratio had a couple things that I really loved, which is one, when Bruno sees that image of the potential futures for Miss Marvel and one, he's like married to her. One, she's the president of the United States. And you can see that very much reflected in this run because I love that idea of, of projecting forward and imagining. We see it in two ways in my run. One is, um, you know, when when Kamala sees the other Miss Marvels, um, but then Kamala also sees some versions of her future. And so when I was going back through it, I was like, hmm, this is sort of cool. But I also was thinking about um, the multiverse a lot, um, you know, especially like with the Spider-Verse, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a, a Spidey fan. I was like, this is cool as heck. And it would be awesome to explore a Miss Marvel verse too. And also just like a little tidbit is that Kareen's name is actually derived from uh, the name of a djinn that is like sort of your parallel. So um, I wanted to just add that little piece into the shape-shifting element. For those who don't know, can you explain what a djinn is? 
Yes, sure. <laughs> um, in Islamic lore, a jinn is a creature made of smokeless fire. There are different classes of jinn, and it can vary by culture and, you know, depending on where you hear your jinn stories from, whether you're in India or Pakistan or um, in Iran or, you know, wherever you are. But there are different classes of jinn. They can be shapeshifters. They can be mischievous. Humans often cannot see them, so they could just be around us right now. And uh, some can actually be, there can also be protector jinns. Uh, that can be in a person's life. Jinn can also possess you. That's so cool. Can we please talk about Miss Marvel not getting any Italian beef before things go crazy? I was hurt. I actually had Italian beef last night. <laughs> so you did? I was hurt that she didn't get a chance to get some. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in Chicago anymore. I'm actually in Charlotte, but I ordered from Portillo. So it's funny. I was reading uh, that and... Uh, was very hurt. I did enjoy my Italian beef for her, though. Good. So sorry that she didn't. I, she I really wish there was a way we could get Italian beef to everyone who's listening right now. Because if you have not had Portillo's mm-hmm. Italian beef, which I'm you should so also have with a chocolate cake shake. Yes. Oh, you like the chocolate cake shake? Oh, yes. Jasmine, Ryan, you are, are you just completely, are, have you ever No, I, had... I've had Portillo's once when I visited the Bally Midway Pinball factory in outside Chicago. And I meant specifically to go to Portillo. So, so yes, I start Miss Marvel number one. I start in Chicago because I have to give like a shout out to my home city. Plus anyone who is South Asian probably has relatives in Chicago. It just is a thing. And I, I loved having, um, introducing, uh, this new character of her sort of older cousin, this kind of cool scientist, you know, um, and look, Kamala's been through a lot of stuff. I was like, before this, I mean, the government was chasing her. Her body was like taken over by like this other suit. She'd been in space. There's been a lot of stuff that happened to her in a very short period of time. So I wanted to give her a little bit of a break. And it's not like her parents were going to let her just like travel on her own somewhere. But I was like, you know who my parents would have let me stay with when I was in high school, which is what I did, is go someplace where I could visit a cousin. And that is my vacation. And can we just like shout out to Andra Genole, the artist on Beyond Limit? Oh my God. Yeah. When I first saw the inks for number one, I was like, this is amazing. There's this beautiful, I mean, just stunning panel where Kamala is in um, her cousin's apartment and it's this sort of like floor to ceiling glass window building. And she's sort of looking out and, you know, I really wanted to have issue one be this kind of moment of reflection for her. Um, and it came out in two ways. One is she's she actually, you can see that reflection in the glass. And it was, I mean, my God, it was stunning. And then you literally see yourself reflected in the bean, which I personally think is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, you know, examples of public art that exists. It is truly a piece of art that we can interact with. And I wanted Kamala to be able to interact with it. For people who haven't got, seen the bean, it's this sort of silvery structure that literally looks like a bead and you can walk under it. When you look up, you can see like an infinity of yourself. And that also speaks to the multiverse, right? Mm-hmm. So I just fit together so beautifully and Andres's art just, I mean, oh my gosh. And Triona's colors, I mean. But it's beautiful because like it even comes through in the Bollywood, which I'm just like, well, now nah, I just want to turn on Netflix and watch a couple Bollywood flicks because um <laughs> Like I, it's just, it's just so fun and so colorful and something that I think sometimes we kind of forget that, you know, superhero comics can be fun. It's okay if they are. And that is just a really fun moment. It's, I I loved it so much. And her parents um, 
singing what I was like I just need to have this moment because it's as a teenager (laughs) just a total cringe moment like oh my god are my parents holding hands what and then just like is my dad standing on a table singing to my mother right now wait flower rose petals are falling on me what is happening oh my god what is this outfit I'm wearing I just love the sort of discombobulated you know the and Andres drew with like the rose petals that are falling from who knows where like pelting her in the face which I thought was hilarious she's tripping over her like her lango which is like the long skirt that she's wearing now and it's just you know the there's just something like you said that's really fun about it and Triona's colors just completely pop I mean they're just like these pinks and these yellows it's just uh, so great that's gorgeous um all right well let's get into the ratio a little bit because we've talked about some of the creatives here uh it is written by G Willow Wilson penciled by Nico Leone colors by Ian Herring letters by VCs Joe Caramagna um I just gotta give all my love now to Nico Leone who just is a rock star on this book. It's, I think the the first arc of Ms. Marvel, you get Adrian Alfona, right? And who is incredible and oh, yeah. sets the tone so well. And I think of, of many of the artists in during Willow's run, there's all kinds of great things that everybody does. But I think Nico does such a great job of carrying the baton of world building and subtle background storytelling alongside um, his own flourishes. And it's there's certain things that are going on in these issues that I'm just like, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to draw the old couple with popcorn watching the, the superhero battle and then follow that up like five pages later with them stuck in a tree still eating their popcorn. But you did. The tree... I was just going to bring up the tree. That is just... I love it so much. I was like, wait, they're still eating their popcorn in this moment. It was like, yes. oh, we're in a tree, but we're still watching it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like, there's like pigeons and like on the roof, and then like at one point they like get disturbed by like Miss um, Marvel. Their reactions are just so priceless. Like at one point they're just like side eyeing Miss Marvel, and I'm just like, this is. I want their comic. I want their comic <laughs> next. Give me that the pigeon comic. comic. Yes. Did Did you also see that the there was like a the pigeon moment in um, Beyond yes. the Limit? Is it really? There's a pigeon yes, moment in is. Beyond the Limit. That is amazing. It's an issue one because I was like, pigeons should have their day. Yeah, they're fed up. <laughs> they're tired. All these superheroes doing all this stuff on the roof. I know. Uh, and, like encroaching on their space. I would also give all the superheroes side eye. Uh, Sounds Nico, terrifying. It does sound terrifying. Nico also does such great work with body language. Uh, one of the things that Jasmine and I talk about a lot on the show is is acting that uh, our, our creators do and our artists do. It was facial, it's a lot of it is facial, but um, you taking that to another level when you especially the way Nico has Kamala standing in certain ways and like shifting there's poses or just like but very naturalistic and really exudes a lot of emotion that is not necessarily there in the dialogue all the time but is coming across and then it amplifies the dialogue which is you know some of the beauty of great superhero comics what has been truly special for me is just seeing how my words can come to life and how an artist can take emotion and dialogue and put that on a page i i mean it's truly stunning i mean what an incredible talent to be able to do that so we haven't really talked about shocker but shocker is the main villain in this book i mean main being in like quotation marks um but like using the size of not only his eyes but like his body right like he can emphasize certain things going on just by the way like you were saying ryan like he holds himself or his shoulders like you can kind of get an idea of what he's feeling 
Samira, you were talking about like the two crises that were happening with Kamala and and Bruno, but I think Shocker is also kind of doing that too because he's he's trying to become like an, an A-lister, right? He's trying to take over New Jersey because he's like, I can at least do this. There's not that many superheroes here. And that above the ground layer, um, it looks like something Shocker would make. He That is just, my favorite part. He, he glued it right together. Like, <laughs> like he's like, I don't know how to dig a hole to make my underground layer. But I know how to build things on top. Does of he really other. though? No, he's just like I know no. how to pile um, things up. No. And it's like it a look. ramshackle <laughs> fort. I mean, I think Kamala even says something like, "This looks like a fort that, like, a kid would build, like you know, like one of those forts in your basement." In one of our recent episodes, we were talking about like every character is somebody's favorite character, and I know one of a good friend of mine, his favorite character is the Shocker, and so like I I, I think it's it's I know. Uh, look. I think it's partially like, look, this guy's wearing a quilt. He built his own vibro gauntlets himself. His name is Herman Schultz. Like there's so much to like dig into just from like a, oh yeah, I want to love this guy because somebody has to. But I think it's such a great, Willow and Nico and the team do such a great job at bringing in who is arguably a CD level like villain and making him fun and exciting and interesting and a little bit of a threat. And like, especially because Kamala's powers are all out of whack. It's, it's a lot of, it's a blast. This story. I love when he says like when they're in the vortex and they're spinning around, he's like, I can't throw up in this mask because, <laughs> oh, I'm like, because it will just, it'll be like a mess. And it's good. I mean, you kind of almost feel like a little bit of sympathy for him. Like he's the bad guy, but he's like, he's not like, you know, like truly like world ending evil dude. He's just like, why can't I just be a bad guy? Why can't I just, you know, be top of the class? I'm going to go to tr- Jersey city and try to. And then he's like telling him, we could be the, the greatest, you know, hero, anti-hero yeah. combo ever. You need a, an arch nemesis. She's like, I don't really want one, dude. <laughs> like I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I could see why he could be a, you know, someone's favorite. Not going to knock anyone's favorite villain. You know, he's got those fishnets on. I call them fishnets. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he chose comfort. Like, why not? He chose comfort over style. Yes. And, you know, and also, I mean, I know that Silk the Shocker, the rapper came years after he was here. But if you have that correlation, that kind of works in your favor. I can see him, mm-hmm. you know, running around with No Limit and Master P. That could be a thing. <laughs> Again, fishnets. <laughs> I want to get back into the the, the comic. Uh, let's go to issue thirty four. So we kind of covered what happens in issue thirty two and thirty three. We get the like the vortex opening up. We see the different versions of you know Ms. Marvel's uh, possible futures, and now we're we're really getting into like the nitty gritty, right? Like Bruno's like, okay, we need to figure this out. Like, and we see him almost be like stifled by the fact that he sees a future where they get married, but he's in a wheelchair because he's currently wearing braces that were. That are vibranium, right? They were built right. in, in Wakanda. He just came back from Wakanda at the start mm-hmm. of it, yeah. He doesn't know how to take that. It's been this like, will they, won't they type thing. They've, they've tried it already. It didn't work out. And now they're trying to be friends again, pretend like it didn't happen. And it's like a, a fan of like YA novels. Like it just reminds me of every single possible twist in like a YA novel where I'm like, oh God, what's going to happen? This is going to get real messy soon. I already know it. You know, here's the thing. Like if you have like a crush on your best friend in high school and maybe you've kissed... I'm not speaking from experience at all, by the way. <laughs> um, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Then maybe you decide, okay, we're just going to be friends. 
Um, so I, I just like leading into that a little bit at times too, because it's a tension that's always there, even if they're not addressing it. And it is, it is, I mean, as a YA writer, I can say it is very YA, but also real life. Love it. Very authentic. I think you put it perfectly. It's very authentic. This issue ends with Kamala being saved by the singularity. She gets returned to her own timeline where she meets up again with Shocker. They're fighting in the middle of the street. But Bruno, who's just gotten all of this like information, is jumping in front of the Shocker's like attack to save Kamala. And that's like the last panel we see. I remember when this book was coming out and I was like, well, he's done for. Like, this is it. It was a good cliffhanger. It was a good cliffhanger. It was a good cliffhanger. Cliffhanger is such an important part of comic book you know, creativity, both from an issue standpoint, but from a page to page standpoint, as you were starting to get into, you know, working in comics for this project, did you have conversations with your, with your fellow creators and editors about, you know, like what does the page turn look like versus for this? Because, you know, with a comic book, you have a standard size of a page with a novel, you know, sometimes someone might be reading on a Kindle, someone might be reading, you know, a paperback or a hardback, and the pages might not always be the same. Um, was it, Did you have any of those conversations as you were developing the comics? A hundred percent. I mean, I had to get, um, you know, I got a great tutorial about understanding the importance of the page turn and um, creating sort of that mini cliffhanger. And then, I mean, I'm just got to give a shout out to my nine-year-old son, who is a marvel comic super fan and constant is always helping with with sfx because i'm terrible at it i'm always like whoa what is an example if if the door hits someone in the face but not super hard just medium hard would that be more like a wham or is it like a band or is it like what is it a thunk um but he (laughs) also gave me these great instructions about like you know this could be a cliffhanger here and I think that's what's so super cool about comics is, you know, in this medium, you're working with multiple things to tell the story, right? You're working with the dialogue, you're working with the art, the color, and the physical book itself. You're working with a, you know, a spread, a splash page, a turn. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of times people who are like, for me coming from just writing novels, you know, the cliffhanger is like the end of a chapter, maybe a mini one, or the end, if you're writing a series, you leave people on a cliffhanger. Um, people are familiar with cliffhangers because of TV shows, right? Oh, you know, this accident's about to happen, boom, end of the episode. But in comic books, that page turn allows you to build tension in a lot of little different ways. So you have this like up and down over the course of just, you know, your 20 pages. And I, I think that's what makes comic books so incredibly, you know, readable and compelling and um, propulsive. So we're in the last issue. We finally learn how her powers work. We were, we were talking about, you know, borrowing from the future. Um, talk more about the idea of how her powers work and like why that was something that you were fascinated by, especially in like expanding on and how you did that in your particular run. So I think for all superheroes, understanding the source of their powers is, I mean, obviously fascinating for them, but it's also fascinating for us as the reader, right? It's pretty unique in a way. She's borrowing matter from her possible future selves. Because again, remember the future can be anything. And even though I'm, I am not a physicist and I'm not operating in the real physics world, you know, I want to make it make sense in Miss Marvel's world. And so I was just curious what would happen if her powers were pushed to the limit, so to speak. And something went wrong with them because the source of your power can also 
you know, for a superhero can also be something dangerous, right? I mean, we see it with Hulk, we see it with like, with Spider-Man, you could see it with, with different heroes, how this could potentially completely go wrong. So that's why rather than having Kamala borrow from her own self, I had her borrow from the other Miss Marvels, um, particularly Marvel G from Kareen's universe. And that happens because of this vortex, um, this, this crack in, in sort of space time, which was achieved because her physicist cousin is working on this thing called the Polchinski box, which is trying to create this wormhole, uh, a contained wormhole, which we know if you try to do that, as Shocker showed us, it can be really bad. <laughs> um, terrible things can can, can happen. Um, but I, I specifically named it the Polchinski box after a physicist who worked on string theory. Um, you know, going back to the to Willow's idea of, of of what a superhero is, you know, we have these moments where where Kamala's trying to teach Kareen a little bit, like, you know, a superhero isn't just about a stretchy suit and and being really strong. It's about using your power and and privilege for a purpose. It's about it's about doing good, just like Willow said. It's not just about you know who saying that you are good. It's about doing good things, and that's what's amazing about Kamala. She's like she's growing up. She makes mistakes. She's learning. She stands back up, and she tries to be good. She tries to do good. She's not always perfect, but she tries. And in and um, you can see how she's learning in you know in throughout Willow's arc, and specifically in the ratio that you know, she's absorbing all this new information. And what I wanted to show a little bit is how she's taken that information to grow. Uh, Samira, thanks so much. We'll look forward to the wrap of your Ms. Marvel series and hopefully some more. Um, everybody go check out uh, Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit. Go read some Ms. Marvel in Marvel Unlimited. Go check out Samira's novels and stories and just dive into it. Samira, where can people find you? Uh, so people can find me at samiraahmed.com and also on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore I underscore M, which is S-A-M underscore A-Y-E underscore A-H-M. Perfect. Thank you so much, Samira. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, Jasmine. Yeah, thank no you. No problem. Once again, big thanks to Samira Ahmed for coming on the show and big thanks to you, Stephanie, for joining us this episode. Thank you all so much for having me. This was fun. Yes. Stephanie, before we let you go, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me or find me. Well, I guess you'll follow me too, but on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Steph underscore I underscore Will and uh, whysteph.com and just be on the lookout for some things because things are happening. Yeah, definitely keep an eye on your LCS's comic shelves. Yes for some more Stephanie. Leave it at that. We'll tease it there and wrap it up now because this episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk-Ellison. Jill Duboff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List senior manager of audio production and development. And in a weird confluence of events, his old uh, college rock band there, the name of uh, his college rock band was the ratio between hypnotists and snakes. And it's like, that ties into everything that we've got going on this week. It really does. He was really excited to show me the tattoo. Um, it's It doesn't look that great. The band sucked. Sorry. Brad. I mean, yeah. Later, skater. I'm Ryan. I'm Jasmine. I'm Stephanie. This is Marble. Your universe.